All right, we want to jump right into it. I do want to say that uh, I'm looking forward to the questions and answers, but I just need to tell you right up front, I will answer any question as long as one of those answers can be, I don't know, right? Because nobody knows it all, amen? Nobody knows it all. We're going to jump right in. We're, we're talking about blended families, and the first thing we need to realize is there isn't anybody in this room that isn't directly or indirectly affected by this particular issue, whether it be death or divorce or whatever it might be, we're in a time and season in our world where we're all touched by what we call blended families. And what we generally mean by that is that we have families that were not families that have become families. So we have her kids, his kids, all that kind of stuff going on. And it's, a, it's very uh, influential in our world today. And so if we're going to affect our world as Christians, if we're going to have impact in our world, we need to address the issues that we have. Christians are notorious for answering questions nobody's asking instead of answering the questions that people have. And so we want to talk about how to work these issues out, this blended family issue. Now, can I get a witness? The Bible addresses every issue man will face. Okay, that was a little weak. But it, there you go. But it does. But in saying that, I'm going to challenge you. Give me one scripture that says, don't smoke marijuana. Give me one scripture that says, don't do meth. But I promise you, the scriptures address those two issues. And blended families is like meth and marijuana and crack cocaine. The Bible addresses things like that. In principles, things that work everywhere, all the time, for everyone. When we're talking about marijuana, the Bible says your body doesn't belong to you. It's been bought with a price. You don't get to say what you can and can't do with it. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so you kind of need to take care of it. I could go on and on and on about principal scriptures that help us to determine what we can and can't do with our physical body. Well, there are principles in this word that address and deal with the issues that we have within what we call blended families. The main issue when it comes to blended families is relationships, period. Here's the problem that I want to address first. We have this tendency to make something unique, and then we can make excuses for why it doesn't work. But I want to say something to you, and I need you to hear me. If the enemy can make you feel you're different than everyone else, that's how a wolf works. He separates you from the herd. He separates you from the group. It's the sheep that get separated from the flock that get eaten. And so part of what my concern is, is that we've made blended families so unique that we think the Bible doesn't address it. But the Bible addresses every issue you have in a blended family. Now, I want to tell you from experience, whether you know this or not, I'm a part of a blended family, and so are you. If you're involved in the church, you're a part of a blended family. Can I say to you, if you're married, you're a part of a blended family? Have you thought about that? On your own, you're on your own. As soon as you bring somebody else into your life, you are now blended. It is not just you anymore, and you have 
relational issues. Can, can, I, can I get you to be honest? You as a husband and a wife, you as a husband and a wife with kids, do you have any relational issues? If you don't, you've only been married about two days. The issue with blended families is not its uniqueness because every family is unique. Every family has its own issues. Now, there are some generic truths, but then there is the individual, and as soon as you marry somebody else, there's a unique bond. It's different than it was before. And so we have to see that part of what the enemy has done in our world is try to make blended families unique in a way that we feel, okay, this, this is bigger than can be fixed. This is, a, this is overwhelming. But I promise you, God addresses every issue you will find in a blended family. Because the truth is, every issue you face in a blended family, you also face in a family that's not what we would call blended. There isn't anything that anybody who's been in a blended family can say to me that you and I don't face in a family that hasn't been, quote, quote, blended. I talk to people all the time. Um, husband dies, wife remarries, they're a blended family. True enough. And they will say to me, well, this child just doesn't want to submit to the new husband's authority. Well, can I ask you something? Have, have your natural kids ever struggled with your authority? <laughs> I mean, think about it. All children struggle with the authority of the parents. That's not unique. All children want to test your strength and test your rules. All children, I mean, from the time they're little and you they learn the word no, they're going to test it. Submission to authority is not a blended family issue. It's a family issue. What about, what about, well, he's picking favorites. You know, when we have this blended family, there's this thought of, well, he treats his kids different than he treats my kids. They're playing favorites. I've heard that a lot. Did you know, in a non-blended family, the older children will get to do things the younger children won't, and what will the younger children say? Why does Jimmy get to stay up late and I don't? Yeah, he's your favorite. It's not a blended family issue. It's a family issue. Am I I making my point here? I hope so. In every family, one's too hard and the other one's too easy. Usually it's the wife that's the powder puff and lets him get away with everything. And it's the husband that's the... But it doesn't have to be that way. In every home, one's a little harder than the other one. That's not a blended family issue. That's a family issue, period. In, in my, in my, let me just pick on me because I can handle it. If it was up to me, my, my house would be a military outpost. I mean, it'd be easy if it was up to me. Get up at 5 in the morning. <laughs> Give me 50 push-ups. I want to hear you count them out. I can't hear you. When they mess up. What we have here is a failure to communicate. (laughs) Ginger's so full of mercy, she's like, let's just talk to him. For the hundredth time, well, let's just talk to him and look stern. Right? That's a family issue. What I want you to see is 
It's unique, but it doesn't make it so unique that we have excuses for not making it work. Family, blended or not, is about relationships. Yeah, but, but Pastor Leah, I, I have exes, and I have to deal with exes, and you don't. You know what an ex is? It's an outside influence. And every family has to deal with outside influence. Family members that aren't living the life you're living. Has your life been affected by, by family members who, who, who don't celebrate Christmas the way you do? Who don't celebrate Easter the way you do? Who want to celebrate Halloween different than you would? No, nobody here? Let me, let, me, let me tell you about outside influence. And that outside influence for me that was some negative on my son was from the church. Let me, let me tell you something that happened. Because I got friends... And, and we're, we're not a judging church at all. We let God deal with people as he's dealing with them. But my son wanted to start snuff, snuffing, dipping snuff. And you know where he got that? From people at the church I go to who, who are Christians. See how quiet it gets? My family had outside influence. And he would look at me and say, do they love God? Yes. And they do that? Yes, well, then I can do that. And my family was affected by outside influence. I have family members who don't live for God, and they can affect our family. Just because you have exes doesn't give you an excuse to say, well, ours is unique. No, every family has to deal with outside influence. You're going to deal with media. That's an outside influence that affects how our kids see us and see the world, and what they believe about God even. So what I want you to see is, blended or not blended, it's not so unique that you need to be overwhelmed by it. Because every issue that you will face in a blended family is faced in a family that is not what we would call blended. Now, here's what I want to do. I have a very short period of time, so you need to hang with me here. And I want you to lean in and, and engage in this. I want you to role play with me for just a second. I want you to hear this and weigh this out in your mind. Because if you can get this one point, you can see this is about relationship. And you can see why this is such a difficult thing, especially for the children. So here's what I want you to think about. How would you handle your favorite boss, the one you love? He's treated you well. He's been your boss maybe forever. How would you handle your boss being fired or replaced for an unknown reason, for an undisclosed reason? Nobody really wants to talk about it. That boss is gone, and now a new boss is set in their place. I want you to think about that. How would you handle that? Let me tell you the common responses to that question and ask you to see if this is not the reaction that we find in children of a blended family. Now, this is how adults react. And I've watched this happen in locations I've watched this happen in the world. I've watched this happen to people I love. Whenever the person that they were submitted to 
the authority in their life, the leader in their life, the boss, whatever you want to call them, when they were taken out of the picture and somebody else was placed in that place, here's the common responses. Number one, withdrawal. Just withdraw. I, I don't know what to expect, so they just, they turtle. Close in the shell. Withdrawal. They go into self-preservation mode. I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just going to quietly do my thing, and I'm going to self-preserve because I don't feel safe anymore. Another common response is they become very suspicious of leadership. Now think about it for a second. Your boss is gone. A new boss has stepped in. And you don't know why. But that boss that was removed was nice to you. They may have been a scoundrel to everybody else, but you don't know about that because to you, you felt loved. And if nobody tells you the reason why, you're left to suspicion. I don't trust you. You're lying to me. Because they weren't like that to me. So being very suspicious becomes one of those responses to a new person being involved in my world. Very suspicious, very distrusting. And if the new boss says, you can trust me, he's even more distrusted because he's trying to make you trust him now. Another response to that is outbursts of anger and accusation. Are you, are you thinking? Are you, are you following me here? This is how adults respond, but this is exactly how children respond. Another response is to undermine the new boss in hopes that the old boss will come back. I hope, you, I hope this is sitting with you. Here's one. They quit and go somewhere else. But if you're five years old, eight years old, 12 years old, quitting and going somewhere else is out of the picture. So you are left to the other responses. Now, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I've seen how grown adult leaders who say they love God respond when a leader is removed and put somewhere else. And especially if they're not told why. But it doesn't do any good to tell people why because they don't believe you anyway. Thank you for laughing, by the way. That helps me a little bit. I don't want this to be heavy. I want you to feel the weight of the... How do you deal with that as an eight-year-old? Dad is gone. Somebody else is here. And mom is telling me I'm supposed to call him dad. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not just talking from a book. When I married Ginger, she had two children. And they were very prompt to tell me they didn't like me. They didn't want me there. I was keeping their dad from coming home, and they hated me. And they would never call me dad. Welcome to the ministry. 
But see, I'm a little smarter than the average bear. I understand they didn't like me. I get that. Their dad is gone. Their whole world has been rocked. Everything they had as stability is now shaky ground. Everything that they believed was going to be forever has been shattered. And I'm just the dope in the way. So the number one thing you got to see is that we're asking relationships to be built in which distrust is the driving force, in which fear and self-preservation preservation are the motivating factors, which leads us to the number two principle in building a blended family, patience. And I want you to think about something. I use the term blended because it's what people are used to, but I don't like the term. And I'll tell you why. Everything about a blender is wrong when it comes to building a family. You know why we like a blender? Because it chops things up with very sharp blades that go round and round. Just, just, and we end up with this thing in just a few seconds, all blended together. But you know what? In the real world, that doesn't work. You cannot force children to blend into this we're all family we just love one another we've been in this long enough now we have solid statistics that show us the outcomes of blended families and here's one of the things that you really need to settle in on it takes four to seven years for a child to feel safe just to feel safe. Not loved, not accepted, just to feel safe. Four to seven years. Because you got to remember, their world before was told, we're here forever. This is going to work. I'll always be there. So it takes children four to seven years before they feel safe which is why you cannot be in a hurry. The blender, to be blended, is all the wrong picture. But we like it because it's fast and it's quick and we have it right here. Just like we don't like anything we have to wait on, if we're going to fix something, we like super glue. You know why? It's clear. You can't see it. It bonds together quickly. It's cheap. When it comes to blended families, the number one issue is building relationship. But the number two principle makes that building relationships possible, and that's being patient. Allowing things to work their way out. I like to think about a blended family like a stew. Have you ever made a stew? where you put the carrots in and it's in the water and it's bubbling and then you put the potatoes in and then you put the peas in and then you put the meat in and the whole time and then you put the top on it and you have to wait. But everything you put in that stew makes the stew the stew. Every added ingredient changes the way that stew tastes, changes the way that stew is represented. 
And it takes time. If I could impart to you the power of trying to help people see, be patient. Don't make that child feel like you're chopping them up. You're in a big hurry. They told me openly, I don't like you. You're keeping my dad from... I wasn't keeping their dad from anything. Their dad made a choice. It didn't have anything to do with me. But in their mind, I was the problem. But because I'm a little smarter than the average bear, all I started doing was loving their wife, loving their mom, my wife, and letting them see, I love your mom, and I won't hurt you. I mean, you are a foreign object to those children if you step into a blended family. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever asked yourself how they train Shamu the whale to jump through a hoop or to come out of the water and ring a bell? Do you know the whale doesn't speak English? Think about it. And you don't speak whale. So how do you get a whale to jump through a hoop? You can't shock it. You'd be half the man you used to be. He's, he's a killer whale. You know how they do it? It's so interesting to me. They spend the first two to three years doing nothing but teaching the whale, you can trust me. Wow. Before they ever ask anything out of the whale, they spend the first two to three years showing that whale, you can trust me. Do you know what? That's really what needs to be done with these children. Instead of asking a bunch of rules and regulations from them, what we need to do is prove to them they can trust us. Build relationship where they can say what they need to say and us not overreact. I allowed those children to tell me what they had on their heart, knowing they needed to get it out. In their mind, I am the problem. In their mind, I am the bad guy. In their mind, it would all go back to the way it was if I was just out of the picture. But by building trust and relationship, those children ended up calling me father calling me dad. And it was so interesting to me, as they got older, 15 and 16, the dad wanted to be a part of their life. And you know what they said? They came to me and asked, what do you think I need to do? You're my dad. I know he's my natural dad, but you're my dad. And they asked me. I said, you do what you want to do. You can't hurt my feelings. I know you love me. You see, that's what happens with patience. Is if you'll sow good seed long enough, trust will be built. Relationship will be built. I had one of the children go a little bit south on us. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need to build a better relationship with her, and you need to not overreact. Interesting enough. Okay, I'm not much one for overreacting, but... Holy Spirit, I won't overreact. So I took this particular daughter to lunch. Very first lunch, after I realized we were having issues, and the Holy Spirit said, spend more time with her, 
Don't overreact. So I'm sitting down at Golden Corral. As God is my witness, the very first meeting where the Lord said, spend more time with her. Set my tray down at Golden Corral. I'm unloading my stuff, and my daughter looks me in the eye, and she says, how do birth control pills work? Then I understood why the Holy Spirit said, don't overreact. <laughs> I was made perfectly clear. Because I'm smiling on the outside, but on the inside I'm thinking, what's his name? I'll go take care of business right now. I know you've never thought things like that. So I looked at her. I said, well, what do you want to know? She said, I want to know how they work. So I told her my great plethora of understanding of that. It took about two minutes. And she said, that's what I thought. I need to tell Debbie about that. Now listen, listen to that. That's what I thought. I need to tell Debbie about that. If I'd have overreacted, she would have shut down. But because I answered her question, she was able to talk about other things. And the relationship got deeper and wider. And it got to the place where she knew she could talk to me about anything. Here's what the Bible says about patience. Luke 21, 19. In your patience... Possess ye your souls. You want to know how to keep your emotions from going crazy? You want to know how to make sure your will is the right thing? You want to make sure your mind is tracking true? Learn how to be patient. Learn how to wait on God. Instead of trying to make things happen in the flesh, I'm going to make them submit to me. I'm going to make them obey me. I'm going to... You need to be patient because their whole world is turned upside down. It's like going from, and many, many kids spend one weekend here and then another weekend there. It's like going to another country every weekend. Uprooted where the rules are one way here and the rules are another way there. Now think about that for a second. How would you like to go to work? And today the rules are this way, but next week the rules are this way. And they're different. And then you have to abide by the rules wherever you're at. And you forget your in Egypt, and you start acting like you're, that's what happens. That's why we need to be patient. How am I doing? How many time? We're doing okay? Got eight minutes? Is that what it says? Okay. Again, statistics say four to seven years just for them to feel safe. Let me ask you a question. How long does God continue to love you in spite of you not understanding what he's trying to do in your life. Now, if he's a good, good father, and we're supposed to be like him, then how long do we love those children even when they don't understand what we're doing? How long do we love them even though they're fighting against everything we're trying to do for their good? You know, I said it's four to seven years, but somebody asked me one time, well, how long do I fight this battle till it's over? Because if you put a time on it, when it gets to that time, and if it's still not right, you'll throw in the towel. But if you have the heart of God, you'll keep loving those children as long as it takes for them to see what you're trying to do was for their good. Blended families have the same issues all families have. 
And we, we have to be patient with our natural children. You can't make your kids grow up. Have you ever tried that? You just need to grow up. How's that working for you? Did they just suddenly grow up? No, you can't make your kids grow up. I can't make you grow up as a Christian. But you know what I can do? I can create an environment in which growth is possible. Thank you. Last thing I want to sow into your heart before we start opening up for questions is this. If you want a wife, a husband, any child to feel valued by you, learn to be a great listener. We're so quick to point out instruction and to try to tell them all the facts of why we're doing what we're doing instead of creating a culture of value. You know how you create value? By being a great listener. Let me prove it to you. When, when certain, well, I was going to say certain politicians, when politicians come on your TV, what do you do? You put it on mute or you change the channel. Why? Because you don't value what they have to say. See, part of the way you communicate value is by listening. Because you don't listen to things you don't value. So when you listen to a child or you listen to a spouse, in essence, what you are saying is, I value you. It's not the same as agreeing with them. It's just learning to be a great listener. I listened to my kids, but I didn't have to agree with them. I didn't have to say, you're right, I'm the bad guy. But I did have to listen. And let me just say this. Listening is not a gift. You'll never see in the Scriptures the gift of listening. That person has the gift of listening. Now, we do say that person's a gifted listener, and we can get the mindset that listening is a gift, but it's not. Listening is a skill. And because it's a skill, any of us can get better at it. Let me give you a test in four minutes. And I just want you to do this. I want you to do everything you can to let me know you're listening to me. I'm going to tell a story. I don't know what story it is yet. I'll make one up or tell you something that happened to you this week. I'm going to tell a story. I want you right there. I want you to do everything you can to let me know you're listening. Are you ready? This week I fixed my motorcycle. You'll notice my Harley Davidson shirt. Very, very good. We're getting there. I have a Harley Davidson. And the last time I rode it was here. And I was in like a five-hour meeting, and when I went to leave, the light wouldn't work, and it was dark. And I wasn't going to drive all the way back to Durant with the light out. I fixed that light yesterday. Put a new plug in. It works just fine, high and low. First thing that happened was when I turned it on, put it on high, the low beam came on. When I put it on low, the high beam came on. So I had to switch the wires. But now my motorcycle works. The lights work and everything else. Y'all did awesome. You did awesome. Now here's the thing. Why don't we do that all the time? 
You see, here's what happens. The wife starts talking, and the husband says, I'm listening. Yeah. Go ahead, I'm listening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead, I'm listening. Yeah. You see, you and I know intrinsically that to truly listen is more than just hearing some words. You proved you were listening by feedback. Oh, man, you were shouting. You were, Jan went like this. I loved it. I'm, man, I'm, that may be because he's hard to hear, but he was proven. He, he was trying. You, you all instinctively leaned in. See, I've never had to teach anybody that. We intrinsically know that listening is being engaged. Listening means I really want to hear what you have to say. Listening means I need to interact with you. It's more than just hearing some words. You know, that's really the best way for a family to build great relationships is to learn how to truly communicate. Not just one person talking and another person listening. See, we think communication is Pastor Craig talks and I nod my head. We've communicated. But communication isn't communication till he actually knows I heard what he was saying. Because I don't even know how to answer the question until I know what the question is. I tell people all the time, I missed a deer last year because my cat got wet. Twice I've had women say to me, how did your cat getting wet keep you from killing a deer? Not my cat, my cap. But see, you don't even know how to answer the question until you know what the question is. You want to communicate value to your children? You want to communicate value and build strong relationships, which is really what all families are about, is building great relationships. Learn how to truly communicate. And the key to that in America that we're missing is being a great listener. We know how to talk. We talk when we should be listening. We think because God gave us one mouth and two ears, we need to talk twice as much. But what he was saying is be quick to listen. That's how you communicate value. That's how you let those kids know you care about them. And once you start doing that, you can begin to build a relationship in which trust is earned. And then the sky is the limit. Amen? All right. I'm done with the teaching. I actually have a six-series teaching called The Blended Family Solutions. And so if you want to get those, you can ask, and, and they'll get those for you but I want to open it up for questions. If you have a question about anything that I taught or a situation you know of, I'm willing to, to hear what that is because this is the most exciting part of the time for me. I love questions and answers because that's how we get information where people really are. So, question. new GM in, yes. and 25 or 30 department managers are resisting to the max. Yep. This guy don't know what we've done. This guy don't know how hard we've worked. The fear, the undermining, all comes in. So yep. if we as adults are acting like that, like you said, what about that five-year-old or that yep. eight-year-old man? Completely in powerful, the dark. Powerful. That's exactly right. Very good. Yes. 
Pastor Craig has a question. He already knows the answer. He's just trying to put me on the spot. So, Pastor Lee, sometimes we get ourselves into blended families and they just don't work. There's situations where kids are in danger. There's things that happen. What would you say to a family member or a family right now that's sitting in a situation where there's abuse, where there's something going on? How does God feel about what I should do next? Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, you know the thing about God that most people don't realize is that God hurts. God weeps. God is concerned about our human life. And he cares about us being afraid. He cares about us being abused or hurt. And he has answers for that. But what I would always encourage somebody, because unless you sow something different, unless you do something different, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. So I always encourage people to do something different. Get somebody else involved. Let somebody else pray with you. We don't even have to go into the legal realms of those things because God is well able and wants to intervene in situations like that. He wants to step into that. And all God's really asking for us is permission. That's why we pray for the the Lord to help us because he already wants to, but he said, you pray, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to invite him into the situation. And I'm going to tell you something. There have been times I didn't know what to do when people came to me out about a particular situation. And I said, let's do this. Let's pray. And I watched God supernaturally give an answer in that situation within days. Can I I take the time to tell you the situation? This lady came to me. She said, my husband has been accused of improprieties with our daughter. She has accused him of physically doing things he shouldn't be doing. And the DHS has told me, I can keep my husband and lose my kids, or I can lose my kids and, and keep my husband. I, I, I can't have both. If I choose my husband, they'll take away my kids. If I choose my kids, they'll take away my husband. What do I do? Because she's going to have to break her covenant with her husband according to the law, according to what DHS wanted. But she didn't believe her husband was guilty. But the daughter had openly accused him of these things. So I said, I don't know. Let's pray. So we prayed. Two days later, the DHS called her up and said, listen, you can stay married and keep your children. You just need to go to classes. And so a way was made. You know what happened? Three years later, after he lost his job and spent all these thousands of dollars in lawyers, she said, I was just mad at him because he wouldn't buy me a new car. The daughter. All that went down because she was mad he wouldn't buy her a new car. But God made a way. Because DHS said, you're going to have to make a choice. It's either this or this. And we prayed, and DHS said, we changed our mind. And so he went through the classes. And you know what ended up happening, though? The Lord restored that family. She repented. The Father forgave her. And now they're going along just fine. We need to allow God intervention in these kinds of situations. Because I promise you, he cares. Christ went to the cross to pay the price for everything and to make a way for things to be made right. So, and and can I tell you, uh, those things happen with families that aren't blended. Kids are abused. Kids are mistreated. On and on it goes. Nowadays, the children have more rights than the adults, and now it's the other way around. Now we got kids calling the shots. 
And we find out later the parents didn't do what the kid said. It was another one of those, I just got mad. He wouldn't let me have the new PlayStation game, and so I said he was abusing me, and I made that story up. We're, we're finding it's even in reverse now, but God cares about that too and wants to step in. Jan, you had a question. Go ahead. Uh, that wasn't... Well, see, let me just say, he said, what about the issue of discipline? Great question. Because discipline is one of those areas you need the wisdom of God. Now, I love the fact that we've been talking about the supernatural here and letting the Holy Spirit lead and guide. Because when it comes to discipline, that is one of those issues that every family ought to be getting wisdom from God on. Because the truth about discipline is without unity, nobody wins. We need to be in agreement. We need to be together on that. And here's the thing. I truly believe, and I've watched this play out so many times, I think the natural parent needs to be the forerunner when it comes to discipline. But I think the new spouse needs to have input. I think when they walk, work together. Because here's what I see happen. I see this happen in regular families, but I see it happen in the blended families a lot more. Your father says you need a spanking. What does that say to the kid? Let me tell you what it says. I'm the good fairy, and your father is the wicked witch of the West. Right? Your mother says you need a spanking. What that says is your mother's the mean If it was up to me, you wouldn't be getting the spanking. But I teach people to even communicate in unity. Your mother and I have talked, and you're not going to get to go to the game because you lied about your grades. Your father and I have talked, and you're not going to get to go to Jimmy's house this weekend because you didn't, whatever. When we talk about discipline and we have unity, because where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing. And that's why even in discipline, I know she's too easy. I know I'm too hard. So, so when the kids need discipline in my house, I'm like, let's chain them to the bed till they're 30. I'm, I, she's like, well, let's look at them. So I go, okay, let's just chain them to the bed till they're 20. I've moved. She goes, well, let's look at them and sound mean. When we get here, where they're going to get two swats and they're not going to get to go to the game this weekend and we're in agreement, when we get here, the discipline is balanced. That's what God wanted to do in family. That's why we need to communicate whether we're blended or not so that we have unity and where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing. And we're not too hard and we're not too soft because we're in agreement. God knew what he was doing. Man, these are good. How about, how about this one? A blended family where the husband and wife are unevenly yoked. Okay. You mean one's a Christian and one's not? Did they start out that way? Yes. Okay. What do, you, what do you think the Scripture says about that? First it says not to be unequally yoked. But once they are married, that is the right one. You made them the right one when you married them. Now you need to believe God, and you need to walk that out. But here's the other side of that. If you'll walk with God and love God and represent God to that unbelieving spouse... The Bible says that that family can be sanctified by the believing spouse. But he also says it can come to the place where if the unbelieving spouse leaves, the Bible says, let them leave. That's, that's interesting to me. 
that even God knows there's a place where if, he, if he's willing to go, she's willing to go, you might have to let them go. But if they're, if they're obliged to stay, even though they're, quote, unequally yoked, walk it out. Work it out. Because here's, here's the thing again. It's about relationship. And what are we saying to people that, well, if you don't get saved, uh, we can't have a relationship? We couldn't even work if we kept that on an even keel, right? So it's so easy to take one scripture and get legalistic about it when really it's still about relationship. It's still about trusting God. It's still about letting God involved in the situation. And the thing is, we're so quick to tell people what to do, but we don't have to get up in their shoes tomorrow. What we need to tell people is to get the will of God, seek the face of God, let God have a say-so in that thing. Because we have grace where we let God rule and reign. Can, can I balance that out? We, we, we have pastors who tell a wife who married a husband and he's now an alcoholic. And he beats his wife, spends all the money. She has to steal money just to feed the kids when he's drunk and in a stupor, when he's passed out just to make the family work. And that pastor will tell her, you married him, you need to walk that out, you need to stick that out. But he wouldn't live three days like that. That's hypocrisy, saints. It's so easy to tell people what to do. It's not our job to tell people what to do. It's our job to point people to Christ and let him tell them what to do. Amen. Yes. Betty, hurry up, or it'll be a long walk home. <laughs> so um, in blended families, a lot of times you have kids that have questions. Why? Yes. What happened? Why is my family no longer together? Um, things like that. As a step-parent or parent, either one, how, what, is, what is the healthy way to answer that question? Very good. Without dismissing the child, but still not stepping over into dishonoring the relationship between the child and the other great, parent. Great question. Great question. And there is no one-step answer to that because, again, every family is unique. Now, what does the Bible say about truth? Does it ever say we're supposed to lie to somebody? Is there any scripture that tells us it's okay to lie to someone? Okay, so let me ask you, if your three-year-old asks you where babies come from, do you give them the whole spill? Why not? You're not supposed to lie to them. They don't understand. It's too much information. They couldn't handle it anyway. So what you tell them is, babies come from your mommy's tummy. Now, is that the truth? Yes, but it's not the whole truth. Why? They're not able to handle it. So you increase the truth as their understanding increases. Is that, I mean, I don't, I, I can't get too specific because specifics come with age and experience and understanding. I don't think we should ever lie to our kids. It's not healthy to lie to our kids. And if truth sets us free, lies puts us in bondage. But I think we need to be careful how we communicate the truth based on what they're able to to handle, how they're able to understand and receive. Um, 
I never lied to my children. But I didn't always divulge all the truth because they weren't ready for it. And as their understanding increased and their ability to handle things increased, we increased the information until everything that needed to be known was known. And there was nothing hid. But it was done in stages of understanding and ability to handle it. I think that's the way any kind of communication needs to be done with our kids about that. Got a question from the congregation, somebody who couldn't answer, ask it okay, directly. Okay, very good. Um, I've had a, the question was they've had a previous marriage, they have children, didn't work out. Okay. I'm now going into my second marriage, there's children there too. Okay. What should I do? What should I know? Wow. Why don't they ask a hard question next time? Um, first I would say, Please learn from the past experiences. If you don't change what allowed the other one not to work, this one's not going to work either. You have to learn. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing. If you learn from the mistakes, then it's actually you're failing forward. You, you've, you've, it now becomes a, a tuition for understanding. So first, make sure you fixed what was wrong with the other one. Secondly, realize that these children ha don't have your background. They don't have your understanding. And it's going to take time and patience and a willingness to hear how they see life so that you can help them adjust to the new changes. Um, if I could say anything, I would reiterate, slow the brakes down. Don't try to make the kids do anything that you wouldn't make your natural kids do. We're learning how to get along together. And if I, if I just said to anyone in this room, I mean, just think about this. As much as Jan loves God and loves people, if I just took him and said, I want you to love this person, there would be an immediate breaks put on because you can't force people to love. Okay, but why do we tell people, be careful who you hang around because you become like them? Because if you hang around them long enough, you'll become like them. Instead of trying to make somebody love somebody, you know what will happen? If they hang around each other long enough, they'll learn to love one another. And it becomes the natural process of things. So we learn from our past experiences, and we ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, because the Holy Spirit knows those children better than you'll ever know them. And the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom on how to handle your children. I had one of my daughters one time went off and she told me she was going to go do a thing and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, she's lying. She is not where she told you she was going to be, but if you'll go here, she'll be there shortly. And so I took my truck and I drove it to this place and I parked in the back where it was dark and sure enough, here came my daughter in the car. She pulled in. She didn't know I was there. I turned the lights on and pulled out. Her eyes were about that big around. Because the Holy Spirit of God isn't just going to give you things that are for other people. He wants to lead and guide you into all truth. And so if you'll listen to God, He'll tell you about these children. He'll tell you when it's time to speak up. He'll tell you when it's time to shut up. He'll tell you when it's time to just give them a hug 
and let them know you care. So to, to say do one, two, and three is to make life a program, and life isn't a program. Life is lived out every day, and, and, and we want balance, but balance is different week to week. If you're a workaholic, the Holy Spirit will say to you, go home and spend time with your wife and kids, you workaholic. But if you're a lazy bum, the Holy Spirit will kick you in the butt and say, go get a job, you lazy thing. Same Holy Spirit. And, and there are times when all of us have an ox in the ditch, and there are times when life balances out a little bit easier. But what I find people saying is, I, I just have an ox in the ditch. No, if your ox is in the ditch for five years, you have a bad habit. So if we'll let the Holy Spirit minister to us, speak to us, give us... He said He would lead us and guide us. In all, I believe that. I believe that's for our families, not just for Africa, not just for India when we go minister there as a mission trip. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you daily input on how to love your spouse, how to love your kids. I'm ending... The first thing the Holy Spirit said to me when I got saved is pick up your clothes. The very first thing he spoke to me. Because man, I got saved, Billy Graham saved, and then filled with the Holy Spirit the following week. And I said to the Lord, I want to love my wife better. You know what he said to me? Pick up your clothes. And we have a dirty clothes hamper, and I would put, I think I would take a shower or something. I'd just take off my clothes and I'd leave them there. And she'd come in and put them in the dirty clothes hamper. It couldn't have been three feet, I guess, from where I probably undressed. But I just, I just put them on the floor. But I asked the Holy Spirit, help me love my wife. He said, pick up your clothes. See, some of you don't want to hear that. <laughs> but I believe the Spirit of God will lead you, if you'll ask Him, in all these situations. Just don't overreact and don't get in a hurry. I'm done.